You're tuned in to the Curated by Podcast. Uh, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night, or whatever time you're listening. This is the Curated by Podcast, and today we have Bardo, better known as Nympho, in the house. Welcome, Hello. Nympho. Before we start with the interview, um, we got a couple of questions. You don't got a lot of time to think about the answer, just mention the first thing that comes to mind to kickstart the whole thing. Starting off, what's the worst track you ever released? I don't know. (laughs) The best back-to-back session you ever did? Um, That was with Loxy in the end, in London. Years ago, I don't know, like 2004? maybe that's a long time ago mm-hmm. your number one musical hero Max Martin the most influential drum and bass label for you influential okay uh, Metalhead the best venue um, the old FNR not the new one but the old one back in the days in Eindhoven rising star of the future um, NCT? Bias, <laughs> <laughs> bias. <laughs> um, what is the strangest thing to ever happen during a set? Uh, <laughs> no, once I, oh yeah, one thing, yeah, yeah, I know, I know. Once I played in Dunedin in New Zealand. And I played like, it was a really small 300 capacity venue. And um, it was great. It was like, I think it was also the last day of the exams and it's a very big student city. So it was during the day, it was already packed on the streets with people drinking and it was like good vibes. And so I played this this rave. I, I think I was booked for one and a half hours, maybe two hours. And, but I, kept on playing for hours. I did maybe like a five hour set. And at some point the promoter came to me. He was like, yo dude, you have to go to the airport to take your flight. So I almost missed my flight because I was DJing way too long. Nice, nice. That's a good story to tell. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) What's the most important thing on your writing? Uh, well, I t- d- yeah, uh, I, I don't really care. Well, I, I care about technical writers. I don't really care about like special drinks or anything. Okay, if a promoter can sort out a Dr. Pepper, I'm happy and a few cold beers. But besides that, no, the technical writer, like the DJ setup, the DJ boot needs to be, and I'm not asking for some rig- ridiculous stuff, but just that needs to be sorted. Uh, and if I have some uh, some nice drinks on top of that, I'm happy. Yeah, yeah, cool, makes sense. Your favorite MC? Uh, do, do, do. SPMC. And what is the best goopy experience you ever had, and where did it happen? Uh, it happened in my head, the imaginary <laughs> groupie that never showed up backstage. So Bardo, we are here in the Melkweg. A small room, the oude zaal, on stage. A bit strange uh, making a podcast here while normally uh, you DJ here and mm-hmm. we all party here. Mm-hmm. Uh, this year's uh, uh, Melkweg's uh, 50th anniversary. What are your, what's your memory of Melkweg? What's part of, yeah, how important is Melkweg for you? Uh, 
Well, the first memory is my first time visiting this room. I think it was 98. I was still living in Weert at my parents' place. And we took uh, the train to Amsterdam because it was a renegade hardware party here. I think Nubian organized that or a few people, maybe Dress Nubian. And it was... Um, so it was like a massive Renegade hardware lineup and also NDC played. Um, and I, I remember uh, Phantom Force was on that plate at that time and I heard it on the internet and NDC dropped it immediately in a set and yeah, it was like sold out. And in my head, this room was like a football stadium. And then years later I came back here and I was like, mm, it's not that big. In my head, it was like massive, you know, so... Um, and then we took the first train back at six in the morning. And um, yeah, that that's still in my head one of the best parties I had here, you know. So Melkweg has played a big role and it's very important for the Dutch and international drum and bass scene. Yeah, totally, 100%, yeah. Yeah, but you've played here a lot of times mm-hmm. since since uh, since then. Yeah. Um, yeah, like highlights? Uh, I always liked the good major league party. Um, they had a few years that it, it was always like sold out and, and really, really good. And what I liked about Major League is they, they booked quite diverse lineups, like a few big shots, a few upcoming, just a little bit of everything. And so it was also good for um, yeah the crowd to hear and see uh, a, 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 a diverse lineup. Um, so Major League is always good. Um, Cheeky Monday moved to uh, Melkweg a couple of years ago. Um, and that's a local, well, he's from it, the, the main guy who runs it, Los, is from England, but I think they run it already for 15 years. Yeah, he's, Monday. Lo- he's local yeah. now. Yeah, 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 yeah. You can say he's local, yeah. Uh, they are uh, doing a weekly Monday night. They started at the Winston, now at Melkweg. So I always big them up as well, you know, because a lot of people don't really know about it but it's it it yeah it happens every week you know every monday and it's busy every week you know and uh, he books also a lot of yeah all kind of djs you know so um so that's also a good one but um definitely major league yeah they were doing it for i don't know 10 plus years yeah, maybe i think so yeah um, 15 oh yeah <laughs> yeah but not, not 15 years in the milkweg i think no no they started at night town rotterdam um, so we talked about not talking about COVID. We are here in the club, not partying, but what, what keeps you busy? What are you doing at this moment? You're a family man. Yeah, I see a lot of playgrounds every day with my kids, which is fun. <laughs> no, it's, uh, it's, I definitely the first six months, I really enjoyed it being at home a lot. And I was busy with gigs but it's not I, it's not that my schedule was like NDC or Chesto or whatever you know I still had a good balance in my my life um, but um, so I like yeah I like being at being at home but now I really start to miss yeah being in a club uh, but also my social contacts all over the world you know during the years I met so many people everywhere and uh, I miss them you know and of course you can FaceTime or send a message to them, but it's, that's different. I just miss those stupid backstage conversations, you know, in a random city at six in the morning, you know, so um, that. And um, 
But what keeps me busy, yeah, I wrote a lot of music, a lot of drum and bass, but also I do a few other music projects. Uh, really, I'm yeah writing a lot of stuff for that, releasing some stuff for that. I'm teaching and coaching some artists as well. And yeah, so I'm definitely yeah busy, you know. And um, the balance between music and family, do your kids know what you do? Do they understand? Do they tell their friends, like, my daddy is a DJ? Yeah, they they understand what the DJ is because I sometimes bring them to the studio as well to, well, push buttons. They like to push all the buttons on the CDJ and mixer, which are giving lights. So, uh, no, they, they understand a little bit. Um, I f- they usually say, my music is weird. <laughs> <laughs> But sometimes they ask out of the blue oh let's listen to some daddy music and then i play some some stuff and then they start dancing but that's usually 20 max 30 seconds <laughs> so i think they know understand it a little bit and sometimes i show them videos uh of the crowd and that so i think they yeah they 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 do they understand Do you, do you think anything will, will, will change post-COVID with your family? Because you got a third child on the way. Yeah. Congrats on that, by the way. Thank you. Thank um, you. Do you think anything will change with your whole touring schedule? Uh, um, well, the thing for me is um, because I DJ already for a long time, I yeah, I had a lot of highlights in my career already. Um, uh, and before COVID, I was already working on some side projects too. Uh, DJ a bit less you know I was looking for a different balance already uh, last year was just a kick under my ass to make those other projects a little bit more happening and uh, yeah that I make made more money with that so yeah for me I don't mind if I have less gigs after so it's it's not that I'm really desperate now for the for the gigs but if this happened 10 years ago then I was pretty depressive right now I think yeah yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm okay with it because I had my my peak moments. Um, yeah, that. But still, like you said, you can't wait to get out again and totally get the and backstage yeah, shenanigans. Yeah, 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 that and uh, not necessarily to to DJ, but more yeah, standing in a grimy club with a good sound system and a cold beer and sweaty people, you know, like yeah, yeah. I was I was cycling to Melkweg uh, this, today, and I was even missing the annoying tourists in the city. You know, like that says a lot. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So you mentioned sweaty people in the crowd. Once you were yourself a sweaty young Bardo in the crowd. <laughs> so uh, let's go back to Eindhoven because Eindhoven is, has played a major. Uh, part in your life uh, you, when you were young you moved from weird 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 how old were you when you moved to Eindhoven uh, 17 17 yeah. quite young it was a big surprise for my parents as well when I mentioned I'm moving to Eindhoven because yeah it came for them out of the blue for me as well because uh, I had some friends in Eindhoven uh, people behind the Red Zone crew uh, Martin DJ Hats and Martin's brother, Bart, DJ Sin. They were living together in this student kind of place. And there was another guy as well. He uh, he left that uh, apartment and um, 
so, and I was visiting them already a lot just to listen to music, to play music, because in my hometown where there weren't that many people, they were listening to that kind of music. So I was really in my happy place when I was in Eindhoven. And uh, yeah, at some point, uh, one of the guys moved out and uh, and yeah, those, the guy said, yeah, the, the, the empty room is your room, you know? So it's like, okay, let's do it. So I moved to Eindhoven. And um, so I was suddenly living with three other uh, uh, jungle drum and bass uh, lovers in, yeah, one apartment and uh, turntables and vinyls. So yeah, it was kind of heaven. Kind of heaven. So they teach you how to DJ or you were already I was, DJing? I was DJing already. Uh, I, I started with, with my cousin and a few friends in Weert uh, with some hardcore Gabber uh, records like Roughneck and that kind of stuff. Um, with some fake turntables with no pitch control and anything, but it sounded horrible, but I had a lot of fun doing it. So yeah, that was the most important thing, which it still is, you know, like having fun. And um, so I, yeah, I could, I could DJ already because I met them because I was sending them mixtapes and they liked my mixtapes. So they booked me already for their gigs in Eindhoven. So yeah, it was a really good next step to move there, you know, and being more involved also with the promoting part. So I started promoting with them as well, you know, like in the beginning more the small task, but at some point, yeah, almost, yeah, not taking it over, but I was the main guy there as well. So I learned a lot from them, uh, not necessarily DJ wise, but more like a little bit of history of drum and bass. but also all the important things uh, about running a night to to have like an original liner, but also a really good sound system. You know, I mentioned the old Efnar uh, earlier already. We we always tweaked the sound system there the whole day of the event. You know, like we we started uh, lunchtime building up the the speakers and everything and uh, and that. But also uh, Erosi, uh, a really yeah kind of famous designer, was doing like the artwork. Um, so we we all yeah we always already did the full package, you know. And I think at that time a lot of other promoters they were only booking DJs, you know. But we were like, okay, uh, let's do yeah let's do the full package because um, I never visited uh, the Blue Note sessions in uh, in in uh, in London like the the Sunday nights uh, the Metalhead sessions. Um, but Martin did, and uh, yours as well. And yeah, they tried to, well, not exactly copy that, but they saw like, okay, sound system is really important with this in in this music, you know, in this genre. So uh, that's that's a big role and uh, focus as well. So I learned a lot there uh, promoting, but also at some point uh, more the producing part, you know, because at some point Icicle moved to Eindhoven. <laughs> and uh, Proxima as well. And they were already yeah, writing music for a couple of years. Uh, and and I was a bit lazy starting producing, you know, because I had a lot of fun with DJing and I was DJing already a lot. So then it's a bit difficult to, okay, let's try to understand reason or logic or whatever program. And um, so at some point I was, yeah, drinking with Icicle and Proxima every night and uh, looking over their shoulder, writing music, you know? So 
uh, I learn a lot as well uh, from them, you know. So, so you learn everything in in Eindhoven from DJing, fr- promoting, yeah. up to uh, producing. Yeah. Um, so going going back to the Red Zone night, uh, you said it was the package. There was a balance between artwork, mm-hmm. sound, a venue. Um, if you think back. Uh, of those days, those years, what really, what what kind of track do you think of? What what really stands out? Uh, yeah, I think like two kind of things, you know. Um, definitely an old Dillinger track, you know, like uh, Acid Track or Hard Noise, you know. That's. But also, what, what I liked uh, about those days and what I miss these days sometimes is. Um, uh, the diversity, you know, like uh, uh, in in music, you know, um, because in a set you could play a Marcus Intellect track and then a Dillinger track, you know, you could play like all kind of, you know, dark, hard, uh, whatever. So and Red Zone was always a little bit of yeah everything. So definitely yes, yeah, uh, an old Dillinger uh, track, but also uh, yeah, in the middle of the night you could play like a great Marcus Intellect track and it was going off, you know, so... Uh. So Eindhoven's played a massive part in, in where you're at now, probably. probably 100%. You, you, yeah, you would yeah. have been here if it wasn't for Eindhoven, the connection. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you started DJing just before Eindhoven, but drum and bass while you're in Eindhoven. Mm-hmm. Um, when did you think when it, when it, that it actually took off, your career? Um, that was after, a, like, a couple of years of uh, releasing music. I released uh, already, I think I released already some music for Clued, for Commercial Suicide. And I think around 2007 or 8, not sure, I need to check online. Uh, I had this release Matchstick with the orange vinyl. And yeah, that was, you know, people heard about me already, you know, and some people were playing my music. But that track was like, boom, suddenly everybody was playing it, you know, like also a lot of plays on BBC and uh, it got featured in a few essential mixes and, uh, you know, all the people I looked up to, you know, they were playing it, you know, so that was for me personally, like, like wow, ooh. And then, then you started to realize, okay, this could be something for my future. Yeah, yeah, I was, I think I was, because I dj already for a while, I was, um, yeah. I, th- I think I was, you know, making money out of it already and, uh, you know, could pay my bills. But uh, this was definitely a next step, also more for international gigs, you know, like... Uh, Talking about international gigs, um, for DJs living in in, in the Netherlands, uh, London is a big goal and achievement if you can play there. Yeah. Uh, can you tell us a, b- a bit more about how you landed in London, DJ-wise? Um, yeah, the first time, I my first gig was uh, what I mentioned earlier as well, with Loxie back to back at the end. I wasn't a prud- producer at that time yet, you know, so that was maybe at that time especially even more unique, you know. Um, but uh, we booked Loxie for our Red Zone events and he heard me playing and we had like at that time especially quite a similar style, way of mixing, tune selection and then we had like a gig together in um, in Belgium, and he heard me playing again, you know. And we started chatting on AIM, you know, the kids. What's, what's AIM? AIM, AIM is uh, <laughs> like um, 
well, people use Facebook chat now, but AIM was like definitely in drum and bass, the, the, the chat, the messenger, you know, the, uh, to chat with everyone. Uh, it was an AOL service, just, uh, yeah, just like Facebook chat. Uh, I think messenger. drum and bass would have been a lot different nowadays if it wasn't for AIM. Yeah, no, totally. <laughs> and uh, you could, yeah, you could send your music to, yeah, to everyone, you know, and uh, if you if they were in your AIM list, you know. So, um, so I was talking a lot to Loxy and at some point, out of the blue, uh, he said, "Yeah, man, let's let's do a back to back." Like, yeah, yeah, okay, you know, <laughs> yeah. At Renegade Hardware, at the end, it was like, uh, okay, okay. And then a week before the gig, we got the set times, and I was playing one till two o'clock back to back with him. At you know, especially at the time, there was like legendary nights, and I was pretty nervous. Yeah, so. Um, and you you practiced beforehand together? Uh, yeah, yeah, oh, we yeah. did. Yeah, we did at uh, the Renegade Hardware Studios. They had like a, like a little DJ booth there, so we practiced a bit. But we knew already, you know, we, we were on the same level with, with the track selection, with, with tunes. So, yeah, but it was great. Yeah, it was wicked. And and Fabric, what was your first gig at, at Fabric? Yeah, that was also uh, that was after that. Um, that was I was releasing already at that time, and then. Um, I, yeah, I got this inquiry for Fabric, and um, uh, it was for Room Two, and you know they they get it's always a bit messy when you get off, well because uh, they have a lot of rooms and uh, they, they always book a lot of DJs, so you don't always not always sure who's play yeah in the beginning who's playing, and then usually a few days for the event you get like for all the rooms like the um, the set times and everything. And because for them it's all also also always a big puzzle to get all the DJs at the right spot because a lot of UK DJs they play shows in Brighton at the same night and so it's a big puzzle. So I landed in in London and I got the set times and uh, I heard I was playing after NDC at Room Two. So yeah, I was after nervous NDC. again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, especially that I was playing with CDs still, you know, not USB, and it was oh, no yeah. vinyl anymore. No, 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 okay. not at that. No, and even uh, hardware was also yeah CDs. Yeah, yeah. Okay, do you still remember your first track after uh, you, the first track you played after yeah. NDC? Yeah, I was. Yeah, it was because NDC, of course, finished with like a triple drop, whatever. Reese, but yeah, just like mayhem, full, full, yeah, sold out venue. Um, but what I like about UK most of the time is that they're very educated so they it's not like okay you play after NC so uh, I need to play even harder and with five or six decks no just I I took the energy level a little bit down and I started like slowly again and I think I started with this if I remember spy and total science track started with some really weird old school breaks and you know a bit of a weird I think hooky intro and people like okay this is something totally new and I think after two hours or three hours of NEC, people want to hear something different as well, you know? So, um, yeah, I started nervous, difficult, you know, but it was it was a great set. People, and the, the dance floor stayed packed, you know, it's packed, so it's good. You're listening to Curated by Talks.
So yeah, you've been a, you've been a DJ for years and a really experienced one and a good one as well. I mean, you won the Dutch Drum and Bass Awards uh, years ago. Um, you've played all over the world, um, but yeah, obviously you're a producer as well. Mm-hmm. Um, not just any producer, but you're um, a true chameleon, uh, as at least as, as we as we see it. You can make liquid, tacky, hard stuff. Mm-hmm. Could you describe the typical nympho sound? What is nympho? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, but. A bit what you mentioned, you know, like the diversity, a bit what I mentioned earlier as well, what I miss uh, is I like the deep minimal stuff, but yeah, if you listen to that for now, it's getting pretty boring, you know, so I produce how I DJ as well, you know, like uh, sometimes a bit more liquid, sometimes a bit harder, sometimes a bit deeper, but yeah, usually quite pretty rolling drums. That's I think that's uh, yeah, pretty, pretty me. Um, but yeah, definitely diverse. Yeah, that's okay. what I. Is that something that comes from the red zone time as well? Like yeah, yeah, and and how I, yeah, when I was going to this party here at uh, Melkweg in '98, it was Renegade Hardware, but it was a little bit of everything, you know. And also the old Metalheads uh, nights. If you listen back to those mixtapes, it goes yeah and that's drum and bass for me you know not only neurofunk or liquid you know no <laughs> just a bit of everything that's the, that's yeah that's the beauty of drum yeah. and bass yeah I think, totally yeah, th- think so as well talking about metalheads i mean um you mentioned it's the most influential label uh, for you mm-hmm. the drum and bass label um you released quite a bit there as well um and you work with goldie mm-hmm. um how's your connection with goldie um yeah it's yeah fun and good you know it's funny how uh, how i met him i think maybe uh, 10 12 years ago i was play well before that i saw him djing in ghent in belgium 10 days off and he was playing like a three hour set four hour set and i was standing as this geek next to the dj booth staring at all the vinyls and dub plates he was playing uh but you know, not talking to him or anything. And then a couple of years later, I was playing a show with him in the Netherlands and the promoter was like, yeah, man, yeah, join us to pick him up at the airport. So I was like this little kid, like, ooh, nervous. Okay, yeah, let's do it. And there he was, he looked at me and he said like, yeah, we met before. And I was like this little, huh? yeah, you were staring at me for three <laughs> hours in Ghent. He's like, whoa, this guy. <laughs> That was great because especially a guy like him, he meets a lot of people, you know, like every week and a lot of weirdos. And um, yeah, he remembered me. So for some reason you you were weird enough to stand out. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So um, yeah, so we did that gig and then I booked him for Red Zone as well. And um, I think, yeah. uh, I was saying, yeah, I was producing, so I was sending him tracks as well at some point. Yeah, just had my first release on a compilation, you know, just one track on this compilation uh, EP. And yeah, last year I released this EP as well on, on on Heads. And yeah, we played quite some shows together and sometimes, and that's, yeah, that's what I hear from more people. He can ring you up out of the blue and he talks for one or two minutes like, yeah, I like what you're doing and uh, and then he hangs up and you're like, well, okay, but that's, a great motivated yeah motivation so um so yeah it's um no and it's just a, 
it's a character and for me personally he's like yeah he's one of the guys who made yeah who put drum and bass on the on the map you know is 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 metalheads uh, the label you feel most at home or mm. you've released a lot of labels but it's, yeah. what is really what's really home for you commercial suicide or no, does it matter it's it's metalheads for me especially like the early releases you know like the yeah the early years is that de- yeah that's definitely legendary um i don't know yeah commercial suicide was a bit is definitely a couple of years ago was a big part in my life as well you know so but home no i don't have a home no no i um no don't know like dispatch you do a lot of stuff for them yeah just, no yeah yeah just no bit bit random you know like uh i like i like to work with a few cool labels i like you know a few cool labels and it's at the moment yeah like it's the metalheads thing dispatch I've got some stuff for Sofa Sound as well. I really like that. Um, but also Spearhead, for example, for example, you know, like for the mu- more musically stuff. Um, so no, it's a li- little bit all over the place here. Yeah. And how and how how do you start? Do you start producing like with a label in mind, or you just start? Is it that does it come later? Mm, f- yeah, a bit both. You know, sometimes. Um, when I speak to Ant, for example, it's like, yeah, let's do, let's work on some new, on a new EP, for example. Then I have that in my mind, and I'm going to write like a few like dispatch kind of sounding uh, 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 tracks. But it's it's a bit 50-50. Sometimes it's more really uh, written for a certain label, and sometimes just like whatever, and we will see, yeah, who who get who wants it, you know. So. Uh, yeah, talking about not having a home, um, what you see nowadays is loads of DJs and uh, producers um, start their own label. Mm-hmm. Um, is it anything that, that's crossed your mind? I mean, you've been a promoter, mm-hmm. a DJ, producer, yeah. done it all. Yeah, I really, yes, a lot of times, and a lot of people ask me, and yeah, but I'm a bit, li- I, fi- I think I'm lazy a little bit, you know, and I think it's, um, well, it's not that I'm lazy, but more. Uh, I think it's a, a lot of work, you know, more work than you think if you want to do it like properly, you know, um, because yeah, I see a lot of people running like, yeah, like especially how Alex Perez is doing 9085 is amazing, you know, but it's, that's definitely a full-time job with maybe like two, three people working for, and so it's, I'm not saying it's impossible, but, but it's a company then. Yeah. You're yeah, and a it's company. More, yeah. And maybe I need to find the right people who, <laughs> who want to help me, you know, I, I definitely need like a team, you know, I, I I know I can't do it on my own. Well, I don't have time, f- enough time to do it properly, uh, to do it on my own. But to be honest, yeah, I d- d- yeah, definitely want it. Still somewhere at the yeah. back of your mind. Yeah, yeah. So focusing on, on Nympho as a producer, you've been producing now for 20, 20 years plus, around about well, that. DJing 20, producing, producing 15, 15, I think. Uh, um, how has Ninfo or Bardo the producer changed? If you look back at your early releases and now, what has improved? Mm, yeah, I became yeah de- technically a better, you know, that definitely. Um, and in the beginning, I was maybe a bit scared to think outside the box, you know, uh, to do a little bit different stuff, you know. But different in what 
Um, what way? Uh, just yeah, uh, releasing yeah the, the the kind of tracks you 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 write. You know, at some point I had this release on Barong Family. It's uh, a non-drum and bass. It's label. a non-drum and bass label. It's run by Yellow Claw, and they asked me like, yeah, well, they fir- I first did a remix for them, and then they asked me, uh, yeah, let's do like uh, like a drum and bass EP, and and my first reaction was like, no, because. Uh, you know, it's not a drum and bass label. Do I have to make EDM drum and bass? You know, there are a lot of questions. And then at some point I was like, no, that doesn't really... You know, if they want drum and bass and they like the stuff I'm, I make, but maybe 10 years ago, if they would have asked me, I would have said no, you know, because I was scared for my true following that they maybe think, ooh, he's a sellout or why on Barong? Because that's not, you know, because the drum, a lot of drum and bass people, they are in their drum and bass tunnel. And ooh, if, if one weird sound is in the track, uh, which is cheesy or whatever, they don't they don't like it, and uh, you know that's. But that that does limit you limit you also in the past. But yeah, yeah le- that's that's now, a shame. Yeah. yeah, that's a shame. That and when I was younger, I was I yeah I was scared to do that. But now I'm like yeah. I do what I like, you know, like... Uh, I really like that EP as well, by the way. I'm not really sure yeah. it's a good thing, but we, we played both yeah. both tracks a lot. Sick. Yeah. Yeah, and it it, it opened, a, well, it opened a lot of doors and a lot of... And I got a lot of good feedback. Maybe like three people didn't like it, you know, like... Uh, but a lot of new other following, a lot of uh, uh, more EDM people heard drum and bass maybe for the first time. So they discovered like... An amazing genre you know so it's no it's good to do that so so that yeah so you yeah that that changed me you know like to, to but, but to is, is it that that the limit is is gone because a lot of youngsters don't have boundaries maybe you've grown up with the boundaries of how this the scene and the, and the genre started and with, with the kids don't have boundaries and just do whatever they like mm-hmm. Yeah, but, but I think the, the, a lot of uh, drum and bass people of my age, <laughs> like for my, yeah, they, I, some of them, they're a bit stuck in their drum and bass tunnel, you know, like, uh, but there is maybe super talented producers who can do a lot of other things as well, you know, but they, yeah, I don't know, or or maybe they just don't like all the other things. That's, you know, also uh, possible, but I, because a lot, yeah, if you, if you can, Produce drum and bass. Um, yeah, you can do a lot of other things as well, really well, you know. So it's a shame that a lot of people, yeah, keep doing just that one thing, you know. But uh, yeah, just think outside the box. Try to do different stuff, you know. Like yeah, about talking, uh, talking about outside the box. Uh, outside the box is Roadcon Han. Is a different project uh, that you are yeah. working on. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Yeah, that's that started a bit uh, with. Uh, that intention because um, when I was listening to a lot of music there there are a lot of unwritten rules when you write music or yeah you think those rules are there but yeah as in also when it comes to arrangement and uh, like drum and bass has to be that BPM or you know like um, but there's no book with uh, a few rules you know we, we all made up those rules you know but you there is a there's much more freedom you know and also in a lot of other genres like everything is sounding exactly the same you know like uh 
one minute intro, bass, you know, th- that kind of stuff, you know. So, and with Road Kahan, we started like, okay, we're going to make music. And we? Who uh, are we? Me, uh, me and Dan, one, a good friend of mine. Um, we, were, we just wanted to do write music with no rules, not a specific genre, just sometimes it's like a chill out track, just sometimes a soundscape, sometimes a more melodic, you know, whatever, you know, maybe sometimes a drum and bass track. Um, so we started doing that. And I think if you start working like that, um, you you sound already more unique, you know, because otherwise you, um, yeah, going to work with those unwritten rules and then it's going to sound exactly the same as the rest, you know? So, so you're not identifying as an EDM producer, drum bass producer, you're just two yeah. guys producing music. Music, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I don't think it's EDM, but it's it's house. It's, it's yes. Lately we had a few house releases, but we also d- d- how do you deep house then? Well, no, I don't that's know. The thing. I don't. That's yeah. That's not, no, it's that's music. Yeah. <laughs> e- EDM Listen, is just EDM. EDM is a shit word. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, but no, but the thing is, it's it's not just one single box. No. You just produce the music yeah. that you feel like producing at the time, and that yeah. makes it. Is it is it interesting for for your future for the, both of you? Yeah, this yeah, it opened a lot of doors as well, and um, um, and it's fun, man. Like at some point, yeah, when you know, mu- for me, music started as a hobby, and then at some point, you going to make some money, and at some point, it's your your daytime, your full daytime job, and then yeah. There were some moments that it's less fun and very, you know, oh, I need to have my releases now and then I need to have gigs and, you know, very business-wise of thinking. And Road Kahan is more like, yeah, yes, let's have fun, you know, like, and it's not that I didn't didn't have fun with my drum and bass, but at some point it was a bit like, okay, I need some new goals because I had a lot of, yeah, my to-do list was already, yeah, Yeah. to-do list was already uh, uh, done almost and I was looking for new goals and new, uh, yeah, new things. But what have you have you achieved with Road Kahan? Um, what are the highlights? You started how many years ago? Three years, and we, well, no, uh, yeah, we had some pretty cool releases on Armada Music. We did, um, yeah, just yeah, a lot of, well, a lot of just releasing a lot of music we like, you know. Yeah, that, that's I think that's yeah. that's the goal, you know. Start out, and not, it starts and not, out with fun. Yeah, with fun and not necessarily, ooh, all the DJs need to play it. Some releases, nobody plays it, but you know, got a lot of, but it gets a lot of plays on Spotify and on the streaming services. That's nice. Oh, and um, so I think that's the, that's, that's, that's the highlight just to release the music you, you like with, with no rules, you know? So we talked about your future after COVID and stuff, but there's a lot more to the future. Um, the future of other drum and bass artists, for instance. Um, you're coaching uh, as well as a producing coach, uh, DJ coach. Yeah, I started that. Uh, I have my studio in uh, the east side here in Amsterdam at Q Factory. And uh, there is um, there is also a, a DJ school in the building. In the building. And uh, <laughs> they... Um, uh, I know the, the owners really well, and at some point there was this student who wanted to produce drum and bass. So they asked me, "Can you do that?" And I was like, "I don't know, you know, I I never did that before, but maybe, you know." So I started, um, um, 
yeah, he, he, he was producing already, but he started, yeah, he learned everything by himself, but um, more house kind of stuff. And then at some point he heard Net Sky or something like that. And he was like, oh, drum and bass and wanted to uh, uh, produce some drum and bass. So I, I really helped him with the ins and outs for that. And um, and he picked up everything really quick and he, he went, yeah, it went really good. And at some point he had yeah, some really good demos. Um, yeah, so it was, I think, yeah, definitely a bonus for him that I could shop around for him, you know? So uh, the, I think a year after we started, he had a first release on, on Focus recordings and uh, yeah, under, under his name, Adlan. And uh, so, yeah, I, I, and, and I helped him after that more and more, you know? And um, so in the beginning, it was a bit of teaching, but now, yeah, and I still do it now. Well, he, he learned a lot. Yeah, he's doing it already for a couple of years now. So but it's a bit more mentor, mentorship. Yeah, a bit that. And uh, um, so I started with him and yeah, that was, was a definitely a good start. And um, especially last year during COVID, I, I started doing it more because I already get a lot of yeah, messages in my inbox that people want to have feedback and that. And at some point it was like, okay, I can can do that, but I can maybe take it a little bit more yeah, professional or serious or take some more time. So I started doing that more and uh, I do it for more people now. Like just not only drum and bass, but also yeah, super diverse. Can, yeah, yeah, also other genres, definitely. And uh, and that, and, and now people know a little bit about it. Um, yeah, more people come to me, you know. So uh, yeah, and it's fun, you know, because it's it, and it's not, it's it's not, not almost never the more the producing tips because um, that's a lot of stuff you can find on the internet and that, but more um, yeah, making certain decisions or uh, that you know, like. Uh, and we all know, all the producers know, like there are a lot of moments that you're stuck and depressed and think I'm going to look for this daytime job at an office. And um, yeah, help them a little bit through that as well, you know, like, the uh, being the coaching, doctor uh, Phil. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so it looks like you find a really good balance. Like uh, you've done everything. You've been a promoter, DJ, producer, coach, a co-producer, you've done you're thinking about genres. a label? Yeah, I think about the label. So yeah. if you look at the future, is this 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 time where, we, where you can can't uh, perform gives you a lot of time to think about the future. So mm-hmm. how do you see the future? Is that balance you yeah. found in this that it will continue? Yeah, totally, totally. Yeah, 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 because I was working on that already before uh, COVID, and yeah, what I said mentioned earlier, this was a good kick under my ass to make it workable you know like make it work and um so yeah i definitely keep on doing that the mentoring coaching or give it a name yeah i'm not a big big fan name of coaching you know <laughs> everyone is a coach these days you know like a bit that L- lifestyle coach yeah or influencer no um so that yeah <laughs> podcast coach <laughs> um but no, I could definitely keep on doing it because it's I, I like it and and sometimes it it are really simple things, you know. Like uh, yeah, I had to discover when I was younger as well, and then I give feedback to people, and then you say you think you say something really simple, and it's like a massive eye opener for a lot of people, you know. So uh, 
So what can we expect um, release-wise uh, this year and next year from you? Yeah, well, yeah, a lot of I've, I wrote a lot of yeah, what I said, music for Sofa Sound, Dispatch. I've got a track for 9085. Oh, a track for or EP for Spearheads. Uh, a Liquidity EP. Hey, <laughs> uh, that yeah. Oh, so, that you know yeah, what I said a lot, and that's this year, probably next year album? as well. I think yeah, when when this is all out, I'm. I'm starting to work on an album again slowly. Yeah, so um. and Road Kahan, what can we expect? Um, we start an oh yeah wait I start an own label with Road Kahan. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that. Yes. Yeah. No. So okay. Tick deck box as well. Yeah. No. Nice. It's uh, we we start a label yeah. with Road Kahan. <laughs> and we have uh, some more music for purified what, what, records. What, what's it called? Label or interstellar frequencies? What? Interstellar. interstellar. Yeah, okay. nice. be, wow. Yeah. Only own releases or also other artists? No. No. Own releases. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We we schedule already 10 tracks okay. in so uh, so that's that's an that's album <laughs> yeah that's yeah. an album yeah <laughs> and uh, and besides that yeah what well, I said a lot of the coaching thing and hopefully a few gigs this year oh ah, would be great would be nice would be yeah. great. hopefully in the Melkweg as well 100 percent yeah um yeah I think this is it thanks for the whole interview Graag gedaan. Dankjewel, Bardo. Um, dankjewel, Bardo. Anything you want to add for the listeners? Um, when is Sea Palace ordering, uh, <laughs> delivering the lunch? <laughs> almost, almost. Lunch is there in a bit. Thank you for the interview, Bardo. It's been a pleasure. Yeah. Dankjewel. You're tuned in to the Curated by Podcasts.